the left, folks, is just as bad as the bad moon on the right. Both of them are bad moons. Uh, man, I love Credence. <laughs> the Credence Clearwater Revival. Oh, man, what a group. And uh, so many wonderful songs. And we were just talking uh, during the break uh, between D.W. Cal and I about the wonderful bluegrass group, Balsam Range. And uh, they uh, and I just recommended a couple of songs to uh, D.W. from Balsam Range. Folks, if you get a chance, go check out The Richest Man in the Graveyard which is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, but uh, let's get back to the voting paradigm. And uh, let's jump out there to sunny Arizona and see what Mr. Cal has been able to contemplate on here for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> I'm still contemplating over uh, some of the richest man in the graveyard. I was going to start to look that up <laughs> and see the right. song. Oh, you got to hear it. I got distracted, yeah. I got distracted by it. You got to hear that one. I'll have to look that one up. Okay. Oh, well. Let's go where you want to take this, Mike. Well, I got a question, Mike. Go ahead, Cal. Here we go. Go ahead. Well, now that we've, you know, we we did this last week, and this is getting to be a habit. Okay, and uh, it was three hours, and every hour the the, the nature or sort of the, the tone and underpinnings of the conversation sort of shifts a little bit. And so we've we've covered the over, you did tore it up the first hour with an overview, and then we we took some of this apart in the second hour <clears throat> about the voters. And what it is, this relationship to them. How about how about we take just a moment here and and give the uh, the devils their due, and let's let's talk a little bit about uh, you know your uh, with the experience you've had over your life, Mike, your age, and Cal, you're you're not really a spring chicken anymore. I know I'm not, and what. Those experiences and observations, uh, what what would that be? That would be like uh, we're probably looking at about two hundred over two hundred years of experience here. Um, what can we say about the the character, nature, and personality, and of these people that want to be in politics at at particularly at the higher levels? Uh, I think the same personality uh, is attracted to it uh, from the bottom up or the top down. Uh, I think that at the higher levels, it's just much more uh, developed. But uh, I, I think we need to. I think we need to uh, talk about their character. Uh, well, you know, because government. Well, this is. I, let me say this. I think. I think the three of us are anyway agree that. That government, uh, uh, or the, and let's let's identify it also as the state, is attracted that the power that's associated with that and authority and coercive power and and monopoly on violence and taxes and all that involves uh, that is attractive to people with a personality that's given to tyranny, tyrants. 
Well, DW, I would have to ask this question. How would you trust, how much would you trust an individual who's willing to spend millions of dollars to get elected to a job that pays one hundred and fifty, one hundred seventy-five thousand, maybe two hundred thousand at max. What would you think of a person who was willing to pay millions of dollars to get elected to that position so they could tell other people what they could and could not do? Well, I I think that that uh, I think that on the face of it, that uh, uh, would be a, a bad investment. If you wanted, on the face of it, if you took it for what it was put up to be uh, a bad investment, of course, it, it could be a really good investment uh, if you could make a lot of uh, shekels uh, without other people knowing about it. <laughs> DW, you just brought up, and I've got to relate this one. I'll never forget that uh, back in Colorado, 2010, uh, you know, I had a, a candidate for Congress uh, in Colorado who actually came to my Constitution class, he and his wife, and uh, he was running for office. That's the only reason he showed up. He had no intention of learning anything about the Constitution, I promise you. But uh, he, uh, when he ran for Congress in 2010, and he defeated a man who had been in Congress in Colorado for something over 20 years. So he defeated this guy, and the guy he defeated was a Democrat. So he defeated this guy for that seat, and at the time he filed his uh, paperwork for running for office, he listed that his net worth was somewhere in the neighborhood of $2.9 million. Now, we all knew that he didn't earn that $2.9 million. We, Those of us who knew him knew that he had – uh, inherited uh, from his father at his father's death, who his father owned a couple of construction companies, and his uh, worth came from uh, primarily from an inheritance. But he ran for Congress. So we're coming up on the 2012 election cycle, and he's having an open house meeting in uh, Cortez, Colorado. And so I'm there. And so uh, he goes through, you know, his uh, spiel about, you know, running for re-election in 2012 and all this other stuff. And I said, uh, I raised my hand when it came Q&A time. I raised my hand and and the uh, good, uh, I use that phrase as a <laughs> anomaly, but the good congressman pointed to me and said, yes, Mike, what's your question? And I said, well, Scott, when you ran in 2010, you listed your net worth as $2.9 million. And I said, now, in your new filings to run in 2012, you list your net worth as $11.3 million. Would you explain to me and the folks here in attendance how you were able to convert a $175,000 a year salary for two years into approximately eight to nine million dollars and he refused to answer he immediately went away from me and he asked somebody else so you know if you can get a job stop and think about this guys if you could get a job that would pay you 
somewhere in the neighborhood of $9 million for two years. How important would that job be to you? Cal, you want to start? Uh, to me, if I had to be uh, a Congress critter to do it, I would, I'll, I'll stay broke. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't Power attracts narcissistic, corrupt people just because it's power. And I'm sure there's lots of people who enter into a race or want to run for some office or something out of all the best of intentions. And if they happen to get there, they are going to be corrupted by the system or they're going to become part of the system. There's no other choice to it. Or they're going to leave the system. There are those who get there, see what a mess it is, and do leave. you got to get some credit somewhere, but that's just the way the system is. That's what the system is, and that's what government is. Well, I think I I think I read an example of that a little earlier about the guy who yeah. said that you know he had a libertarian friend. And does that not go back to our Lord Acton virus? Power corrupts absolute. Power corrupts absolutely. Well, yeah, you, there's there's evidence of that throughout history. <laughs> Even Patrick Henry. He yes, I've wanted Patrick Henry succumbed to it, people. Yep. He got caught up in the Yazoo affair. Yep. And so, it was a well, power and money. And he, yep. So, if you have, uh, it, it is, I'm assuming here that we, we have a tyrannical government. Uh, I don't know if there's many people right now that would disagree with that statement. Uh, <clears throat> and what uh, what is the what is the uh, the the shelter and the sucker of government uh, war debt and taxes? Then, if a government, a tyrannical government state wants to secure itself it will co-op the common people into an emotional frenzy of fear and terror so that they will accept whatever uh, tyrannical Decrees and mandates that the government needs to secure itself. What, what have I got wrong, Cal? You pretty much nailed it there, DW. If you look back at just our lifetimes, you can see that evidence all throughout of it. The government's been using fear. How many hobgoblins and boogeymen have the American people had to face in the last 50 years? The villain de jour. There's always got to be a daily villain out there somewhere. It could be terrorism. It could be, you know, uh, the white, uh, you know, what, what do we call it? Uh, white racism. It's There's always a villain that the government has to deal with. You guys are spot on. Because without villains, nobody would want government. 
Well, Mike, I got a question for you, buddy. Oh, I don't answer questions after six o'clock, but go ahead. Okay, well, it's only <laughs> it's only five fifteen. Oh, darn the luck. Here, so. Okay, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta read you gotta read the clauses. Read the fine print, dang it. Yeah. Uh, darn it. Uh, uh yeah, what was my question? I, I don't oh, know. I forgot it. <laughs> uh, my my question uh Yeah. Uh I did, I actually forgot it. <laughs> I, it was a good one too. Well I'll I'll, think, I'll remember think, it later. Think think I'll, a bit and let's uh Let's let Cal give us a dissertation here. Go for it, Cal. I'm still waiting. For, where were we, Mike? I, I'm kind of lost, too, all of a sudden. <laughs> D.W., whatever, <laughs> yeah. something on your brain made my Yeah, sense. darn the luck, D.W., stop doing that, will you? <laughs> <laughs> stop forgetting important well, stuff, D.W. I don't know. I was I, looking I, forward I to the question because you always ask such great questions. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it well, was it was yeah. it was really juicy. Yeah. Well, be careful. Uh, the, be careful about saying good things about him because I got to tell you guys, the only fault I've ever been able to find in my wife Susanna is the fact she likes DW. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, don't forget your dog. Your dog. Oh likes yeah. Too, so. Yeah. Well, Maggie likes you too, but she, you know, she, go ahead. Uh, well, um, yeah, so, uh, I don't know, we just, uh, you know, sort of, you know, uh, look at, look at, uh, these, these characters and personalities and, uh, uh, they, uh, this, this, uh, idea that corporate executives, uh, there's a disproportionate number of them that are clinically psychopaths. No, they they don't they don't they don't feel they don't have the uh, they're missing empathy, and um, you know uh, they also are sociopathic, and uh, which kind of means that they're you know as my. My mother would have said she called them. Uh, you know, I'm using these big words. She would have, she she called them horses' asses. But uh, <clears throat> uh, that these positions of power throughout all man's history has been that these these character traits are they're attracted to this power, and so isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, anybody that anybody that wants to run for these offices, so-called offices, and this political power, doesn't that, on the face of it, disqualify them? Oh, I think so. And DW, here's something I'd just like to throw out there, since you forgot the question. And this would be just the simple question: What would happen, people, if we all stop voting? Well. Such an action would be tantamount to sending a notice to the politicians, which would state thusly, we as individuals have decided to look after our own affairs. Your services are no longer needed because you keep screwing them up. And we have assumed social power 
as individuals, and therefore we will assume our own social responsibility, provided, of course, that the politicians just give it up. The job of running the community would fall on each and every one of us in our own separate spheres. We might hire an expert to tell us about the most improved firefighting apparatus for our fire department, or we might even hire a manager to look after cleaning the streets, or we might get an engineer if we needed to build a bridge. But the final decision, particularly in the matter of raising funds for those projects, would rest with the people themselves. The hired specialist would have no authority other than that necessary for the performance of their contractual duties. Coercive power, which is the essence of political authority, would be exercised if necessary only by the people themselves and not any such thing as a government. So your comments, gentlemen? Wait, are we talking government or, or, or social decisions made through committees and, and boards? Or is that what we're talking, Mike? Like they did prior? Like yes. During the colonial days? Yes. They that is, that, to have that's committees where we're and boards. Hmm. Okay. I mean, there is an alternative to this monster called government. Well, I think we would have society a better... will survive without it. Are you are, are you trying to say all this, that society yeah. can actually survive without government, Mike? Ab- really? Absolutely, because we uh, would have a better social order where the individual themselves were responsible for their own actions and therefore responsive to the needs of others. Then the uh, we as individuals would no longer have the law or lawmakers to cover our sins of omission should we commit them. And uh, the need of our neighbor's good opinion would always be compulsory. We would need, in what we're doing, you know, that rightful liberty thing, okay, we can do whatever we want unless it violates the rights of someone else. And Okay. So, go ahead, DW. Go ahead. Well, I mean, this is, uh, it, it almost sounds like a private association of, of uh, private men and women uh, working in cooperation with each other to achieve agreed upon, uh, you know, objectives within their sphere of control and influence and, and responsibility. And, and there, there isn't any need for coercive power <clears throat> in that situation, let alone uh, violence. Now, in the case where you have any individual using aberrant, aberrant, behaving aberrantly, like uh, doing violating natural law, violence, <clears throat> aggressions against other people, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I've got a frog in my throat, you could have a situation where which we used to have was somebody was called a peace officer who was interested in the peace, maintaining the peace, and not enforcing corporate performance contractors, contracts for revenue, which is what law enforcement does now. They're revenue officers. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing that it would do is it would put the decisions, the individual decisions, back where they belong, and that would be with the individual. 
And that would go totally contrary to what I mentioned in that letter from James Madison to Thomas Jefferson in 1787 in October 24th when he said, oh, well, we decided that we could not control a government. We would not get the compliance we need if we did it using the states because the states would not all of them would ever go along with our schemes. So what we need to do is to make our government on the individual. Well, the thing that I think of so many times there is I think about Patrick Henry's objection at the Virginia Ratification Convention when he made the point that this government should deal with the states and not with the people. And then he made a point about this taxation clause. He said, under the Articles of Confederation, or under our present Constitution, I think was the way he said it, uh, the uh, federal government must request a certain amount of money from each state based on population to cover the expenses that would be incurred by the federal government. And he said, under our system, if the state looks at what the federal government is asking for and says, nope, we're not paying for that, you know, which might be money to Ukraine, it might be money to illegals, but the state would, one state could stop that under the Articles of Confederation. One state, if they voted no, it's off the table. But here's the thing that happened, Patrick Henry said, but with this taxation clause and with the requesting money from the state, if the state says, no, we're not paying for that, the federal government cannot put the state in prison for not paying. But if we allow this constitution to be ratified, then the state, then the federal government will have that power over individuals and not the states. And if they tell the uh, an individual, you've got to pay this much money, and the individual says no, then the federal government can put an individual in prison for not paying, even if it's Mike. something. Go ahead. Well, Mike, uh, <clears throat> before I forget it again, uh, isn't this this uh, this actual topic subject matter that you're talking about right now uh that the central government having direct access authority and uh, oversight of every individual was that not the exact effect of what happened in the legislation after the war of northern aggression Exactly. Isn't that where they consecrated that? Exactly. Exactly. They put it to good use, but Patrick Henry was exactly right. And that is the federal government cannot put a state in prison if the state itself says to the federal government, no, I'm not giving you money to send to the Ukraine. I'm not giving you money to give to illegals. I'm not giving you money to for your own aggrandizement. I'm not doing this. And one, all it took under the articles was one state to say no, just one state, and they could have stopped it. But by Madison's claim to Jefferson, we put it on the individual, and then we can force the individual to do what we want. And that's what we live under today, folks, is the federal government deals with individuals and not with the state government the state government should be the only ones that could deal with individuals but now 
After 234 years of corruption, the state governments are just as corrupt as the national government. Go ahead, gentlemen. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's true. Uh, I don't I don't find any uh, paragons of virtue being represented in uh, the state of Alabama. Uh, you know, for example. There was this uh, retired uh, football coach or something, uh, just Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. Well, I've been paying attention to him for the last month and a half. And uh, he must know something because he's dumping millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of stock. So I'm sure he's really interested in representing liberty and virtue uh, and and freedom. <laughs> uh in in the state of Alabama, but he's uh, you know he's he's a smooth he he fits the bill for a politician in Alabama. You know he's real slick. So uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I would say I know we're getting short on time here. I I'm just gonna kind of go to the end here with this and say that the the solution is that. We assumed that we lived in a first world country, and what we're experiencing now is a transition into a third world country, and that is going to be the remedy, believe it or not, is that a a cowardly, conceited, apathetic, entitled people who don't appreciate anything are now going to have to experience real problems instead of made up problems. And and the third world uh, problems are going to be the solution uh, to their 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 present problem. So that's my. my All right, I, I think you're spot on, Cal. Well, I got a question. What's the approval rating of Congress? Like, usually about sixteen percent. Yeah, usually less than twenty in most averages. But yet ninety four percent of them get reelected. What does that tell you about the American voter? Uh, that's that's yeah. That was a point I was trying to make. It's like, what does that tell you? This is the approval rating. Yet these people keep returning to office. I mean, yeah. this fifteen percent approval okay. rating. Why does it even exist? I think that is a good how, question. How, how, how is it that you couldn't get rid of you couldn't get rid of John McCain, uh, McConnell, Lindsey Graham, uh, Chuck Schumer? How come you couldn't get rid of them? That, that should answer it right there. Because yeah. your vote yeah. doesn't matter. It don't matter. All that matters is your vote that is a consent, not who you vote for, just that you consent to the continuation of the status quo. And that's what the vote is. You live on the Jones plantation. <laughs> if you yeah, haven't, there you go. If you haven't watched, if you haven't watched the movie by Larkin Rose, type in, you know, go research it. The Jones plantation. Go watch it, and there you are. You live on the corporate plantation known as the United States. Yeah, that, that that's such an excellent movie and a parody of exactly what's going on. I would highly recommend it for anyone. Yes, very well done. Very well done. And we're almost uh, to break time, guys. And uh, then on the last uh, 30 minutes, we'll be taking calls. We got a couple of folks in the slot here. 
And uh, here comes the music, and it's Freebird. Wouldn't you know it? tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Tejibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in, and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call one 877 928 8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X T E N D O V I T E.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 Carcass Drop and Lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. 
First are right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next are beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Easeoff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Madman Radio Show here on the second day of March in the year of 2024. And folks, we're going to take some callers here and we're going to start with the Reverend Anthony Joseph in Tucson, Arizona. I assume that's Arizona. Uh, sir, how are you this evening? It's fine for a human being, but for a federal labor slave under new rural order, you and I are in very big trouble. I hope so, because if I'm not in trouble, I'm not doing what's right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I called, basically, I'd like to get a copy of uh, the, the uh, thing you described about individual uh, people taking control of their own lives, which is what the very beginning of the Constitution said, that we were endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, among them are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Well, I believe it was property, but I think they changed it and put pursuit of happiness because later on in the Constitution, they did say that they could not take private property unless they gave you due process. But well, basically, actually, actually, sir, that quote came from the Declaration of Independence and not the Constitution. Yes, but I'm trying to say that they combined it. Now, the reason that an inalienable right gives you the right to do what you want as often as you want, as long as you do not affect another person adversely. And you, you uh, under the original Constitution of the District of Columbia, United States of America, as well as the Union Republic, the 50 states of the Union, uh, are uh, given God-given rights under the 50 states of the Union, but under the uh, seven or nine states of the District of Columbia, you possess only privileges and immunities with no rights. Article and 4, this, Section 2. 
All right. Privileges uh, and uh, immunities. Yes, sir. The, the Constitution, and I quote, says, all persons, small p persons, whenever they use the small p for person, you are subject, born or naturalized, in the United States District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., are citizens of the Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, small c citizen, subject, and no state shall make any law, rule, or regulation which shall abridge the privileges and immunities of citizens of the United States. Today, there are no United States citizens left in the United States except me, and there are 350 million citizens of the District of Columbia, United States of America, because you waived your citizenship when you took a contract with the District of Columbia, and you are now registered in the District of Columbia states of either Guam, Puerto Rico, uh, Virgin Islands, uh, what is it? North and South Marianas, Samoa, and Guam. You are no longer a United States citizen. And Mr. Obama, as well as Mr. Biden, have to be tried for treason, dating back to 1829, when it's Article 1, Section 18, I believe it is, says that the states, which were sovereign separate countries from the federal United States had a right to bring people in of Germanic and Anglo-Saxon Scandinavian descent up until 1828, 1829, the federal government would collect $20 in gold for each citizen they brought into the United States according to the immigration law set forth in the paragraphs of that Article 1, Section 18, I believe it was. You, you have to correct me on the, the amount. I'm 94 years old. I'm going to have my 94th birthday, March 14th. And I can tell you one thing. There's nothing more stupid or deceived than an educated American, including Albert Einstein. <laughs> well, uh, that uh, may be true, sir, and I wish you a happy birthday a couple of weeks ahead of time, and I certainly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to call us, sir, uh, and Wait. thank you for thank you for your input. Yes, I'm also an ex-Marine, and I, I'm telling you one thing, that Mr. Biden and his son should have already been put in jail because you're not supposed to take an immigrant from another country, which he admitted he took two gifts. And the law says a federal employee has to return the money or the gifts over to the Treasury of the United States. That alone gives him cause to be impeached and removed from office. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm very much aware of that, but, uh, you know, uh, not to... You know, cut you off, but in one way, let me ask you a question. Our program tonight's about voting. How does yes. that? How does voting affect that? Well, voting of no woman has a right to vote because a woman committed the sin in the Garden of Eden, and because of that, God gave her the punishment that she would be in submission to her husband, and she would experience increased pain in childbirth. Because of what she's done, no senator can be a, uh, a woman, no congressman, no, no uh, mayor, and, and no policewoman. 
women are to, uh, to do what God's law demanded. You're to be in submission to your husband, and you're to have increased pain in childbirth. Uh, the, uh, the women, when they gave them the right to vote, they gave them the right to vote against their husband and cancel his ballot. And then to, 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 to further the trick on, uh, even further, the evil, wicked people claim to be God's chosen people when it allowed 18-year-olds to vote against the mother and the father while they're still being supported by them under their roof, eating their food, being educated by them, and then being programmed and the mind destroyed to vote against the mother and father to give up their uh, the, the God-given rights protected under the Constitution, which that child does no longer have either, because the mother and you gave your child a Social Security card. You sold your children into slavery. Okay. Uh, Reverend, I really thank you for coming on, taking your time, and I thank you for your contribution. We've got some other callers here, so regrettably I've got to move along. And uh, well, please, tune, please tune in again, sir. Yes, I will. Thank you for carrying my call. But I said, yes, sir. They force, they force women into the workforce to become taxpayers because they did not want them to be housewives, mothers, or homemakers. They wanted them to be able to get to their pimp uncle stand the way you are, uh, 30% income tax, uh, 14 cents Social Security tax, 10% sales tax, mandatory auto insurance, uh, driver's license, register. None of these apply to the well, United sir, States. Sir, I, I certainly appreciate it again, you know, but I've got to move along here. I thank you for your contribution. I need to move along. We've got some other callers waiting, sir. Thank you so very much, and have a blessed day, sir. So, uh, guys, let's move along to Ken in Texas. Ken, how you doing, buddy? Good evening, gentlemen. Um, yeah, that that kind of uh, made me pull a DW and forget my question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the whole voting thing is really uh, these guys are really sharp in, in what they've done. I mean, you couldn't think about this without uh, oh help from below. Um, Agreed. It it causes people to think that they're participating, but at the same time, it causes them to think that they're they're voting for their feudal lord. You know, when in actuality they're just signing up for the feudal system. Right. Um, and uh, then the the. the I'm trying to tie this together to freedom of religion. They think that they're getting freedom of religion when in actuality what they're doing is allowing what the original uh, people came to this, this land for was to escape religious persecution, and it's allowing the persecutors to you know be in their backyard and allowing for it. So it allows the persecuted to become persecuted. Well stated. Uh, Cal DW, any comments here, sir? Gentlemen? Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I think Ken, I'm, I'm glad Ken remembered his comments, <laughs> comments and uh, <laughs> I don't really, 
I don't really have any <laughs> disagreement with what he's uh, uh, said so far. I I think that makes uh, perfectly good sense. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah Cal, uh, Cal, any thoughts, buddy? Uh, I, I I'm agreeing with Ken. He's you know, right on top of it once again. Uh, and in his way, you know, he puts it in a different perspective, but it all comes out to the same result. And maybe that's what's needed is, you know, not everybody will, you know, I can say something to someone and they won't understand it. BW can come along and say basically the same thing and his way of saying it, and it'll make sense. And sometimes it just takes that certain delivery for it to click with that one certain person. So if, you know, how Ken puts it, helps someone to understand the immorality of voting and what an immoral practice it actually is, then thank you very much, Ken. Thank yeah, I appreciate very, very that. Appreciate well, it, uh, Ken. And, uh, uh, the irony, ahead, though, sir. of trying to escape from King George only to vote in King George Washington. Yes, very, very pressing point. Thank you, Ken. We certainly appreciate it. And, uh, uh, you know, tune in anytime, buddy. Love to have you. And uh, so uh, now we're going to jump to Paul in New Jersey. Paul, how are you, sir? Hello, Mike. Uh, Mike, I don't really uh, like your message, uh, basically, that you're telling white men not to vote. You know, I guess you just want to leave the government up to black women and Jews. Is that the plan? No, that's now not listen. what I said at all. If you had been listening to the program, you would know better. That's a ridiculous comment. Paul, uh, have a good day. Let's go to yeah. Max in New York. Max, how are you? From post-traumatic stress disorder, from listening to your Whistling Dixie shows, very depressed from that. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Very, if the truth depresses you, I'm sorry. No, well, I don't know. Don't don't misunderstand me. It's, I mean, it's very. Nec- I don't want to say, oh, these shows are great. You know, oh, it's incredible. But but it's very depressing. I can't believe how evil people are. I'm never, I'm, no. I'm always shocked that that the, the the depravity of people in wartime. You know, you, you see the rape of these these German women. But anyway, I just wanted to say I really appreciate the Whistling Dixie series, and I'm listening. But I want to talk about law, and I tell people where the rubber meets the road is the courtroom. If you can't handle yourself in the courtroom, you're, you're politically impotent, and you have no will. And the second you hire a lawyer, the court considers you a ward of the court. This is the spirit of law in America. Now, if you look at Congress, it's, it's packed with lawyers. You look at Trump. What do you do? He hired two lawyers. They didn't even motion for a jury trial. I win in court because I motion for a jury trial. I make a record that I'm going to uh, support my spiritual rights, my, my God-given rights, and they're like, get this guy out of here. But uh, the, the Talmud runs the United States. That's the whole law. You can have any constitution, whatever Bill of Rights. If you can't stand up and manifest your own declarations of independence personally, they're just going to walk all over you like they've been doing. But Jews have been doing this for centuries. They're so used to doing this. They expect the, they expect the Gentiles. It's just so mindless. This is why we got to beg for donations and try to get people to wake up. Nobody's waking up. The only thing I can do is handle myself in the courtroom. I help people, too. 
I've helped him out with technicalities, throw things out. But once I started prosecuting my my rights, they don't really want to know about me. And there was two court cases, because I'm getting really fed up. I actually said this in writing. I don't give my money to Jews. And they were like, they never had me back. Another court, another court, and another court case. This is kind of funny, because you know, the cops they got these tickets now. They're like full pages of sheets with little boxes and abbreviations, like hundreds of them on one page. You get two pages of that, and so I go. I I always go to court and address it if I can. And I went to this court, and the bailiff behind the bulletproof guy, a Jewish guy, a chubby Jewish guy. I'm like. <clears throat> He's like, oh, people in New York State are required to have a driver's license. But I said, I gave up my Social Security number. I lied. And he goes, no, but you're supposed to have it. In New York State, you're required to have a driver's license. And I said, but but I'm not a Gentile. And he just he stopped talking. And I said, let me talk to the prosecutor. <laughs> and uh, so he opens the door up, and he, he took me into the courtroom. And I hold up those two sheets of... Uh, I'm intimidating now. I just like throw it right back in the face. So I point to each little box, and this is like this little this prosecutor punk. His head's like doing the bobble weave with an impish grin on his face. He didn't say a word. I'm like, what's this box mean? What's this box mean? What's this box mean? I'm, I got an audience. I got the bailiff. I got the secretaries all watching. And he's just standing there saying nothing. So the bailiff's like, okay, enough. But just sit down. So I sit down for well, two seconds. Ball. I had oh. hello. No, that's Max. Yeah, uh, Max. Oh, uh, Max. I, I got a question D- for Max. DW has a question. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Max. We we spent we spent two hours and forty five minutes talking about voting. I'm really interested about your comments on the subject matter tonight. Do you have any comments on on the uh, purpose, futility, or uh, on the topic of, of voting? What's your position? Mac. Um, well, again, it's I call it. Uh, well, you're delegating your consciousness onto another mortal, so you can't really psychologically and psychically and spiritually, you really shouldn't be doing that. So he, you know, people they get lazy and they want to. If I if if I buy car insurance, I can drive fast. You know, it's that same mentality that. You're delegating your responsibility onto some company or some person, and they'll take care of it for me. Then the bill comes, and you don't want to yeah. pay it. Okay. Max, so, thank well, you I so very much. I, I don't vote. Well, thanks, Max. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on. And now we jump to James in Vancouver. James, how you doing, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was wondering, I want to ask you a question. How far have we come on going from computer registered voting to back to paper? Any progress there? No, and there wasn't any progress. I mean, if you want to jump back to 1860, they didn't have computers, and that was a invalid election <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, you know, I thought it'd be, um, um, you know, ask a question, but uh, I always, if you want to, raised money, I always had the idea for a T-shirt, and the front of the T-shirt would say, don't shoot, I'm an American national. I'll let you go. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks, James. Appreciate it, buddy. You're and welcome. now we head south to our buddy Ed in Florida. Ed, how are you, sir? Hello? Ed, are you with us? 
Yeah, are you here? Yeah. All right. Hey, Rebel Man, man, I'm 100% behind you, man. I go down Thank here, you. I go by head. The anti-Fed, the anti-Federalists were right 100%, man. Down with the Fed. But any, <laughs> but, but technically, the Federalists were the Nationalists, and the anti-Feds were the Federalists. But that's a another, you know, can of worm thing. But um, anyways, on, as far as voting, I just wondered if you ever heard of NOTA. That's a big uh, term in libertarian land. Well, uh, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yes, I uh, lost my confidence in libertarians about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, I understand that. There's no perfection in the world war. You're not going to get that. But a lot of, a lot of us, uh, why we like NOTA, it's none of the above. So, right. you know, it should be, if it was on every ballot, none of the above should be there. In fact, in Nevada, uh, <laughs> what's her name just lost because Trump wasn't on the ballot. She lost yeah. NOTA. They do. Some of the states have NOTA, you know, and none of the above beat her 60 to Paley, 60 to 40. So that's a and good all thing. Have. And I've, yeah, yeah, and, and I've and, been telling people, people for a long time, you know, voting Republican and Democrat don't matter. Pull the right needle out of your right arm of Republicanism and pull the left needle out of your left arm of of uh, Democratism because they're both the same and all they're doing is, is filling you up with juice while they rob you. Yep, big time. Uh, very well said. And, uh, Ed, uh, thank you so much, and thank you for your support. Sure appreciate that. And uh, you were dead on about Federalists and Anti-Federalists. I don't call the Federalists Nationalists. I call them monarchist because they were truly yeah, for but, a monarchical but, form of government. Right, but the monarchy can be better than nationalism sometimes. Oh, yes, if so, you yeah. have a benign monarchist, but uh, what's exactly, your chances? Exactly, exactly. But regardless, they were about, you know, being total centralized control so the big fight is between the centralized people the one of a globalized world and decentralized who want to rule locally and, and and live locally and protect each other locally well ed thank you so much for your call we're gonna uh we've got uh, just a short time left here but yeah. sure appreciate your call and your support sir and uh thank you for listening to our bn and thank you for giving yeah, we'll us call a call all right buddy thank you very much so uh uh DW, I would like for you to, uh, while we've got a, f a few minutes left here, uh, just close out your thoughts for today, please, sir, and then we'll jump to Cal. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think the uh, unofficial polling here is uh, in, in favor of of uh, not voting. I, I like the idea a lot of, uh, I, I, I honestly never really have heard of that, uh, no doubt. Yes. Yeah. None of the and, above, and that's a... It's a vote he of was no, exactly, no confidence. He, he was exactly yeah. right. Uh, Nikki Haley was actually defeated in the Nevada primary by NOTA. NOTA got more votes than she did. And then one other thing for you wonderful folks who think Nikki Haley is wonderful. Uh, in the South Carolina primary, uh, over 60% of her voters voted for Biden in 2020. So, oh, you, uh, you, you mean Nimrata. Nimrata. Oh, okay. Name. Well, her, whatever. Her real name's Nimrata. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I've got words okay. for it, but I can't use them here. Uh, Cal, your thoughts, buddy, as we close out? <laughs> well, I was in Nevada when they had that NADA vote in 2014. It was on the gubernatorial primary, and the Democrat side won NADA, won. 
Well, they can't have Nada on the general election, so they put the runner up on there. So, so much for Nada. If yeah. you put it in the general election, yeah, but it's in the primaries. So, as far yeah, as I know, that might- that's it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, guys, uh, I just wanted to let everyone know, please support RBN. We need to keep a platform of free speech available to the people who actually and truly want to hear it. And also, uh, here is the thing. Tomorrow night, uh, we've got the the Rebel and the Renegades, which will be on tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow night, I'll have my good buddy, uh, uh, Stephen Douglas Whitener. I found out he's got a nickname. It's called Whitey. Last night, I proved my diversity on his program because I had Whitey and Blackbird. So I was uh, neutral, and so therefore, I believe in diversity. <laughs> so, uh, folks, uh, please uh, step up there and support RBN. We need that support. We need a platform to where people can actually tune in and listen to the truth. And, uh, DW, Cal, just can't thank you guys enough. You guys are really special. Uh, always, uh, from the very first time we did a program together, it's always been a ton of fun for me. And so, again, can't thank you enough. And, Mr. Producer, you did one heck of a job, as usual. And uh, you go unnoticed to so many, and we certainly appreciate you. Just wanted you to know that. So... Yeah, should, where, should where are you going to have this much fun yeah. on Saturday night? Yeah, where can you have this much fun on Saturday night with your clothes on? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm <laughs> old enough. I don't worry about that too much. <laughs> well, here it comes. Guys. Night. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, Cal. Thanks, DW. Thanks, Mike. See you later. Yeah. Buddy, you guys take care. Good night, everyone. Good show. Bye. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls plus testing for heavy metals makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on long-term food storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. This is RBN.
The Republic Broadcasting Network.